Hey, this is Chase Barber. And I'm Jordan Willie. We're two blue-collar boys doing some blue-collar interviews. All right, welcome to Blue Collar Interviews. Today we got Dan from Edic Electric. Uh, Dan, why don't you uh, introduce yourself here? And, and first off, uh, tell people what your TikTok is so they can go watch it if they want and then tune back in so they have an idea who we're talking with. Yeah, so my TikTok's uh, Edic Electric. I'm same thing on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all that stuff. Um, Edic Electric's mostly just on TikTok. But... Uh, just a small town guy at uh, central New York and uh, just got a small electric motor rewind shop. It's just mostly me and my old man, the whole thing. And that's kind of like posting videos that shows pretty much the process about how I do it because really central it's New York. Yeah. Definitely. I'm a little late. Away. That's pretty uh, so, sweet. Uh, we're on this a little late for you. It must be pretty late in the afternoon. Sorry about that. No, nah, it's no big deal. Oh no, that's crazy! I didn't know you're from New York. I, you, you don't like. Sorry, I always thought there's more of an accent that went with that. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, to be honest, I'm about six hours north of New York City. Oh wow, you're you're Canadian. <laughs> no, I'm not that far up. Yeah, I mean, but, but yeah, I mean, a lot of people forget that there's like a whole another state up here. Um, I've only been to New York City like two or three times in my life, and they were mostly just airports. Um, we're kind of, we're our whole other country up here pretty much. Hmm, that's funny. Like I said, you're Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We relate to you guys more than we do in people in New York city. I can tell you that. Yeah. You're like the Midwesterners, like Northern Midwesterners there. They're just, they're Canadians too. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Pretty much. Oh, right, cool. on, right on. So motor rewinding. What, why don't you tell us a little bit about exactly what that is? So <laughs> when I first kind of got into it, all my friends were kind of like, wait, what are you doing? Like they had no idea what that game even meant. Um, pretty much all it is, is a lot of electric motors, a big part of the business a lot of people don't realize is a lot of the motors are literally built into the equipment. So you can't necessarily buy a new one. Like a new one doesn't exist. It was custom made for that piece of equipment or it's so old and yada, yada, yada. So Basically, all it comes down to is you cut all of the old copper out of it and you very meticulously look at the connection and make sure that you put back out exactly what you put back in. Um, Because the hard part about it is it's not like you can call up the dealership and say, hey, you know, how is this connected or how is this put back together or whatever. Once you have it apart, that's it. So you got to be very, very careful once you get all of your data and all that stuff. And then you put on a machine, you make the coils, stuff them in, then you dip it in this varnish, and then you put it in an oven, bake it, and you're pretty much done. Okay, wow. Yeah, you know, I didn't think about that, that... um yeah, those custom motors wouldn't exactly have like a hundred year old electric motor wouldn't exactly have a wiring diagram that you can pull up on the internet. <laughs> no, no, and the the main the diagrams aren't necessarily so bad because you can get um, the connections from like a ESA book. Um, it's actually it's EASA Book of Internal Connection Diagrams that'll show you how most electric motors are actually connected as far as the leads and all that stuff. Um, but where it really comes into play is the pitch, which means basically, um, the span of the coils as far as where they would go in the slot, um, as well as the turns and how many coils per group and all of that stuff. When it comes to that information, I mean, if you were to call up Baldor and say, Hey, look, I have this motor with this serial number. Um, what was the pitch, how many turns, all that, they'd laugh at you. (laughs) (laughs) They're they're not, they're not going to give you that information. Um, so, and you know, a lot of these motor manufacturers, they've gone out of business or whatever it may be. I mean, there's there's ways around it, but the information's pretty hard to find. So you got to be very careful when you take these things apart. That's kind of the main thing. Well, you take like a lot of pictures before you start? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, recording for TikTok kind of helps me with a lot of it because I, you know, I'll, I'll kind of go back and go, oh, okay, that's all it was or whatever. But um, when I kind of first got into it, I was... You know, the guy who taught me was very, very adamant, like, take good notes. Like, make sure, like, if, if you don't think it down, like, write everything down. 
and that's kind of for the most part served me nice yeah that's so crazy I I, question oh, here every time like uh, you you watch people doing like motor rewinding how come they all light it on fire what what does <laughs> part does the fire come into this so like, no seriously guys if you haven't seen motor rewinding they always take like a giant torch and for some reason like burn all the copper and like singe it yeah so and the funny part about that is if you were of all those videos you're going to see about a hundred people saying bad 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 very bad very bad and it's kind of one of those things where you can get away with it when you're in the bush and you know i do it quite often but it's not necessarily the best practice but the reason they're doing that is because after you dip these motors in the varnish that wire becomes hard as a rock i mean you can hit that coil with a hammer i mean it's just it's just this one solid brick so the only way that you can actually get those coils out of there is you have to get it stupid hot now the correct way to do it is um there's a burn off oven which you put it in a burn off oven it gets it up to you know around 700 degrees or so it's water cooled all this stuff so because the main concern is you don't want to get the core too hot um, if you get the core too hot, you can damage the core and they'll cause hot spots and all sorts of stuff. But um, long to short, what, what about is, when they're doing it in India? I've literally just seen them grab an electric motor and like <laughs> just throw it onto a wood fire and be like, "All right." Yeah, it, it, well, it, it's one of those things where it'll probably be all right until it's not. You know what I mean? Like it's just not the um, it's not the best way. I mean, I I do it quite often. I mean, it's it happens, um, but the reason they're doing that is because that's literally the only way that you can physically get the wires out of there without cutting the thing to pieces. And even then, I mean, um, you know, I'll have the thing zinging hot. I mean, as hot as it can possibly be. And it is everything you've got to get those coils out of there. I mean, that stuff, it, it it's amazing. That so dip, how is that, it putting it back in then? When you put it back in, it's perfectly fine. Um, basically, that that dip so i talked about that dip and bake process when you're done yeah. with it um it's it's a varnish and basically the whole point of that varnish is it gets in all the little nooks and crannies and everything in between all the little wires and it, it literally just turns it into one solid piece but when you're going to put it back in it's all loose there's no varnish in there there's no glue holding everything together ah uh, that makes sense so that's that's why they do that um and the downside to that is, is you can get hot spots and there's all these core loss tests and all these yada 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 it for the bush for 90 percent of the motors it's fine but if any of the the bigger shops and pretty much over here in you know u.s and canada they're gonna look at that and, oh you're gonna completely destroy it you're gonna ruin it you're gonna whatever the big shops do that sometimes for rush jobs because a burnout oven that takes like seven hours to do. Um, and sometimes you don't have that kind of time. So you just have to burn them out, but yeah. that's, just get that's the torch that and go. Is. Yeah. That's what that process is. Oh, okay. That totally makes sense. I never, I thought it was something for the copper. Cause I've seen those guys in India where they like burn it, but then they like resurface all the copper wire and like reuse the same copper and, that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You posted that one video of like where the guy did that with the starter, I think, right? Yeah. Like the, yeah. The form foils. Yeah. That that's that's ridiculous. I don't know why the hell you do that. <laughs> probably because copper is expensive and you're in India. Like, yeah. Copper in is probably more worth more than his wages for the day. Yeah. Yeah. Especially half some guys you see him in sandals. <laughs> well, cool. Yeah. So, but yeah. I, I did want to post that to show people are like, you cannot work on like, Nobody can service electric motors. Like once an electric motor is done, it's done. There's just nothing you can do to fix it. Whereas a transmission, you can like pull out all the gears and bearings and like replace all of it. And that's like, no, you can, you can still do things to electric motors. It, 100%, I, I love that video. That you, I thought that was brilliant. I mean, you even had, you know, it, I think in that same one you had um, like a cutout of like a diesel engine. You were like, look, these are all the internal parts of a diesel engine. Another one was like, this is an electric motor. Which one do you think is more complicated? <laughs> I was like, yes, thank you. Thank you. It's not, it's not wizardry. Right? I mean, it's, it, it's a magnet spinning around some copper. That's it. 
yeah, that that's that's all it is. And well, it, it's funny. We were talking before we we hopped on here, and we we're like, "Okay, the videos, your videos, they look like it's simple. Like, oh, I can do that." But in the same time, it's also like, oh, "I'd never be able to know how to do that." Like, it's it's kind of funny. Well, I don't know. I think it's it's kind of like any trade. You know, what I mean? it's just one that's not. Um, it's not one that's really broadcast as much, I think, in the United States. You know, I got, I got a good buddy of mine um, who's a he was a traveling rep for um, Senebogan for years, and I went to diesel mechanic school with him. And he was kind of like, you know, he goes, no offense, but I feel like if I did like a handful of motors with you, I'd be perfectly confident in doing one. I'm like, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's it's you know, if you can rebuild an engine, you can be taught how to rewind an electric motor. Like it's not. You know, it's only wizardry just because you haven't been around it, if that makes I mean, sense. So it's it looks complicated to me. Like for sure I would need to take some time. But I'll be honest, like looking at like people that do electric motor rewinding and looking at people that like fully strip and rebuild a motor from scratch, I'm like, you know what? I feel more confident in my ability to like take some copper wire out, put some copper wire back in. Than I would to like completely go into it blind and like I feel like I could like fumble my way through doing a, a like an electric motor. I don't think it would work very well, <laughs> but I feel like I wouldn't just like immediately be like, "Oh my god, I've got two thousand pieces of different parts from a motor, like from disassembling yeah. and reassembling." Yeah, the, the the one hard part about electric motors is you know because I so I'm originally a diesel mechanic, you know, like you can. Um, you can put an engine back together, screw up a lot of stuff, and it's still gonna kind of run. Um, whereas an electric motor, for the most part, if you do anything wrong, it's like they either work or they don't. You know what I mean? It's like it'll, you know, I've had them where you know, you screw something up, you kick it on, and it just goes up, poof, and a ball of smoke, and that's it. You know, or it draws way too much current. And it, the hard part about this process is once once you dip it in that varnish and you bake it in the oven once you're done you're done and if you if you've messed up anything you have to completely start from the beginning all over again you can't go in and adjust anything you can't go in and change anything around right you right yeah cuz you put all that varnish and everything and yeah i guess yeah, yeah. so whoa, whoa, you're a diesel mechanic what what changed what what made you think you you should hop over to electric uh, well, long story short, my, my father owned an electric motor repair shop for years and years and years. Um, but you, the, but you went, you did try going diesel for a bit. Yeah. He basically, he owned his own company. Um, and he closed it down when I was, um, probably around 11 or 12 or so, um, had some stuff going on in his personal life. Um, and you know, for years he was kind of, he tried showing it to me, tried showing it to me. I had no interest whatsoever. I didn't care. I said, screw you, dad. I'm going to go become a diesel mechanic. Um, so I became a diesel mechanic. I worked for Caterpillar for a handful of years as a generator technician. Um, and I really enjoyed it. It was cool. It was fun, but I just kind of had something, um, egging me saying, Hey, you got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do this. So, um, then plus I kind of got sick and tired of working in a corporate shop. Um, and that little voice in the back of my head finally took over. So I went and learned how to do it. And here I am. Pretty sweet. Nice. Uh, well, how do you like it compared to being a diesel tech? I like it a lot. Um, we got the hard questions for you. Sorry. Uh, yeah, it is kind of a hard question. Um, I think I like it better, but I think I like it more just because I'm doing my own thing. If that makes sense. Um, well, I think what, are, if, what would be the pros and cons to both? I guess if somebody's like, it, it, say you got a, like an 18 year old kid and he's trying to figure out what trade to get into, what would be some of the pros and cons to both to consider? Yeah. So the cons to rewinding electric motors is, um, a, you really have nobody to talk to because <laughs> nobody knows what the hell you're talking about. Um, and two, it's very, very tedious work. Um, it's very tedious work, and it can almost be related to somewhat like factory work. Um, you know, sometimes it's the same thing um, over and over and over and over again. Um, you know, whereas being a diesel mechanic, you know, 
one day you might be working on a dozer, it might be an excavator, it might be a truck, it might be this, it might be that, you know, it's always something different, you know, and one day you might be doing an engine repair, the next day you might be doing electrical diagnostics, the next day you might be hydraulic, you know, whatever, it's kind of all over the place. But being a diesel mechanic, everything's heavy, it's dirty, it's dangerous. Um, whereas, you, got, you got some guy punching his steering wheel right now, like, hey, I like my job. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, whereas electric motor, it's fairly clean. Everything's on a bench. You're normally in a shop. You know, so there's there's pros and cons to, to both. I think it's just more or less what your mindset is. Fair. I think that probably is true for most things, yeah. But, yeah. Well, how long typically, like, say a large electric motor. So, say on the Edison truck, we got a 250 kilowatt electric motor. How long do you think you can actually get out of an electric motor before it needs to be rewound? A long time. <laughs> Give us a, like a, a rough estimate in years. Well, let me put it to you this way. Um, as far as it, it mostly depends on the circuit protection that you have going to it. Um, if you have good circuit protection going to that electric motor, meaning we have that really good circuit protection, we, we yeah we were run it through like a rectification unit, it, all the yeah. capacitor to really smooth it out. <laughs> Anytime, like yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've got good circuit protection, good. I read a statistic somewhere where it said 87% of electric motor failures are all mechanical. And basically what that means is there's a higher probability of a bearing grenading and taking out your winding than the winding going for some other reason. So to be honest with you, um, if you've got good grounding rings, um, because I'm I'm assuming you guys are running that thing through like a, a variable frequency drive, right? More or less, yeah. Yeah. Um, so one downside to variable frequency drives is um, you'll get arcing through the bearings and stuff like that. Um, so, I mean, if you've got good grounding rings, if your bearings are taken care of like they're supposed to, I don't know if they're ceramic or whatever they are, um, you your bearings are going to go long before the windings in the motor go. And if you change out those bearings before the, they grenade, um, those motors will probably outlast the truck. Hmm. Nice. Well, that's good to know. Um, what is the like the oldest motor you've ever worked on then? The oldest is actually the first, the first TikTok I recorded, and it was actually it was actually the uh, first motor I did for the business. It was a nineteen ten, see either nineteen ten or nineteen twenty, somewhere around there. This thing was it was a three horsepower. It was a three horsepower, and it was a four speed. So four speed consequent pull motor and this three horsepower was about the size of like a 25 horsepower today and the thing was 99 percent original holy wow <laughs> yeah that's 100 and, uh, 110 years old yeah i mean um i've it's not uncommon to get motors in from you know the 30s 40s 50s that are completely original the only thing they've had swapped out is the bearings over the years and they've been running you know 40 hours a week for however many years and a lot of them run 24 7 even i mean they're they're about as durable as they get that is why i have been saying for so long when people are like electric vehicles suck you can't like they they, they don't last they don't run well they they don't uh, like electric just sucks i'm like electric doesn't suck it batteries suck exactly all- yes Exactly. Um, I think people are just scared to change. Oh, big oil made big oil made people scared to change. Yeah. How much can people really be scared of change though when the electric motor has been around longer than the diesel motor? Like it's not really a change. It's kind of going back to how it used to be. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's a page of mine on Facebook where I mean like don't quote me on this, but I think the electric car came even before the gas one did. Okay, mm-hmm. that's why I thought so. Is big that... oil, big oil. Sorry, I just, you know. That's... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I get it. <laughs> uh, there's a guy that actually the the one that I did that job for that old motor for, 
um, he restores cars that are like turn of the century, um, like like a new car that he would restore is like one from like the twenties. Um, and he was saying that he actually does a decent amount of old cars that are electric, and those things are like gold now. Or really, like, like old? Oh, he restores old electric cars. That's sweet. <clears throat> well, no, he does mostly gas, but he does. He's gotten some in that were electric. Ninety nine percent of what he does is um, gas stuff. But he was the one that actually told me, "Hey, you know, there's old electric cars." I was like, "What?" And then I got to looking into it, and I was like, "Oh, wow." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Ford. The, the the Ford first Ford made was electric, I believe. Huh. It was Thomas Edison that helped um, Ford design an electric car. So, like, one of the first, it might not be the very first, but absolutely one of the first Ford Model Ts was made by Thomas Edison. It was made to be electric. And he was pushing super hard for Henry Ford to go electric because he thought electric cars would advance, like, battery technology and all the other electrical infrastructure that we need for, like, grid storage and everything. So, yeah. Um, Porsche's first car was electric. Tiny, tiny little jump. If, if just, just, I don't know why it popped in my head. People go, go, go watch. There's a Family Guy episode. Just do Henry Ford, Family Guy. Just, you'll have a good chuckle. Back, back to what oh. you're saying. <laughs> Is that the one where he's like, oh, look at Edison there? No, no, no. It's not that one. It's, it's what, it's what the first cars were invented for. It's funny. I probably shouldn't say it, but just go watch it. It's funny. Oh, Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Getting us off track. I, I had a question. Back to electric motors. Um, so for personal, like if a guy has a sump pump in his basement, something like that, it dies. Everyone just goes and buys another one. That's what they do. Like, do you recommend people looking into rebuilding them for themselves, or what? Like, what would you think? Or getting them rebuilt? Sorry, depends on what they are. Um, so I don't. It's tough because electric motors, for the most part, they are pretty cheap to manufacture, um, and as a general rule for like really little ones, you can buy a new one um, for cheaper than what I can rewind it for. But I will say this, the single phase electric motor is a completely different world compared to a three phase electric motor. Three phase electric motor is you got windings and the bearings. That's it. Um, Single phase, you've got capacitors, you got the start switch, you got the rotating switch. You've got a lot of different things going on there. Um, so I do work on like some sump pumps and a lot of pool pumps and stuff like that. Um, and very rarely is it the windings that are bad and I can actually repair them for a lot cheaper than what they get a new one for. Um, but if someone brings a sump pump to me and the windings are shot, yeah, that ain't worth it. Yeah. You know? Good to know. You know. I wish there was actually more like, and that's one of the things that excites me about more things going electric. Like I wish there was more things to like work on these electric parts. Like, we have nobody anywhere around here that have like have an electric pump go that you can bring it to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. Uh, there's ninety-nine percent of people that walk in, they tell me pretty much exactly what you're saying. They're like, "Oh my god, nobody does this anymore. Nobody does." This. I mean, you know, it used to be there was shops. You know, there was radiator shops, there was hydraulic shops, there was electric motor shops. There were all these things all over the place. And now they're nowhere. Hmm. I mean, What's crazy have, for like, me with that one? Radiator and hydraulic shops. Like I can go and like get a new hydraulic cylinder <laughs> rehoned. I can go get a new rad custom made in in like in my small town. But like nobody that'll do anything with like electric motors. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, it's kind of a a, a lost art. That's what kind of a a lot of people tell me. And all it really came down to is there were a lot of old timers that knew how to do it. And there weren't really a lot of young people that were interested enough in it. Um, So the knowledge just kind of died with them. I mean, you can't really go to school to learn how to do it. They don't exist. There's there's no schools that will teach you. Um, The only way you can really learn is to go to a, you know, if you know someone that can show you, have them show you. Or if you don't, um, go to your local electric motor shop and offer to sweep the floors. Um, You know, just the downside is there's not a lot of little ones. Um, anyone that you're going to find for the most part, um, all they're going to really want to screw around with is 500 horsepower and above, you know, they're not going to work on the pool pumps and the sump pumps and 
you know, the farm duty motors and stuff like that, like I do. Anything single phase, they're just going to sell you a new one. Ah. You know, and like I said, single phase is a completely different world um, as far as how they work and things like that. So it, um, it's actually kind of more fun to me to work on them than the three phase ones, but there's normally more money in the three phase ones. Yeah, no, oh, even though they're simpler. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's for the most part because a huge part of the motor business is, um, granted, you might be able to buy a new one cheaper than what I can repair yours for, but that new one is six weeks out and you need this motor. It's essential to your operation. What's that downtime costing you? So that's so how, how fast can you get it? Say somebody brings in like a 300 horsepower electric motor and they're like, I need to get like my whole business is down until we get this fixed. How fast could you get a motor rebuilt? Well, 300 horsepower. I'd I couldn't do that one in my shop. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> okay. okay. 50 operation. horsepower. How <laughs> about a 50 horsepower? Um, I mean, a 50 horsepower, you're probably talking, oh, I don't know, 10 to 15 hours, maybe, somewhere around there. I mean, you get two guys on it, it'll cut that time down, but <laughs> it's not, it's not a crazy amount of time. I so mean, you could basically get it done in a day, like a long day with two people. Yeah, well, the one the one downside to a 50 horsepower that um, adds in that time, I guess, in factor in is the burnoff time. Um, so, you know, a motor that size, you're going to have to put in a burnoff oven in order to actually get all that copper out of there. And it's going to sit in that oven for anywhere from seven to ten hours. And then you're going to have to yank the thing out and actually get well, to work so you, out. You skip that and you go to the torch because you just need it. <laughs> yeah. You well, go to the torch just like they do in India. Yeah, exactly. Then, you know, that's about what you'd be looking at. You know, that's – and like I said, it, it's just like anything. It varies with motors and stuff. But there, um, there's certain shops, especially, you know, big shops, where um, you can drop off a motor in the morning and have it the next day. Um, See, they're using torches. Yeah, they're using the torch on that one. <laughs> yeah, they're they're doing oh, it the bush way. <laughs> yeah, and well, that, I mean, that's, that's, I'm just thinking funny. for like a business because I'm sorry, I was thinking of like as a business is say you got like a sawmill or some kind of large plant. I mean, you got to look at a sawmill is two hundred thousand dollars an hour to keep that thing in operation. Mm-hmm. Like. That's a downtime. You have a motor that goes out and you're like, oh, yeah, we can't ship you another one for like a week and you don't have a spare. Yep. Like all of a sudden that four or five days of downtime at ten or $100,000 an hour running two shifts is all of a sudden now two, three million dollars in downtime. Mm-hmm. It would not be ridiculous to be like, yeah, like, hey, you're going to spend two million dollars. Uh-huh. Or you're going to fix it. Like, you can probably, because there's not a lot of people doing it, and you're in that kind of thing with the way supply chains are, there must actually be good money for these kind of shops. Yes, just don't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right. Good thing you're not on a public podcast. Exactly, right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but no, ex- that's uh, what you're describing is exactly it. And that's one thing that uh, a lot of people that I talk to kind of don't realize you know they, they bring up you know, i mean i mean no offense they, they bring up the the sump pump or you know the pool pumps or, or things like that wow, but man, i was just trying to ask you questions no 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 i, I work out a lot of those things so there's not <laughs> i make a lot of money working on them things. um but um a lot of when a motor like that goes down you don't care what it costs you to get it fixed versus a new one well, I, you know, it's probably not the extreme of a sawmill, but our water pump went down uh, back in like September, no, October. We lost our water pump due to some kind of electrical issue in the pump. Mm-hmm. And literally, like, okay, the quickest one I can get to replace that is about five to seven days out. We had to sit for like a week with no water in the house, like getting jugs of water, showering at a friend's, couldn't flush at any toilet without like filling up the back reservoir, like bottles mm-hmm. of water. It's like, mm. you know what? I probably would have paid like 
a premium to just be able to like, <laughs> hey, I can come and fix that today, fix that water pump today and get you fresh water. It's like, oh, you know what? That probably would have been worth it as I'm filling like <laughs> Nestle Pure Life bottles into my toilet trying to time my poops for the day. Yeah, that's a bougie way to do it. <laughs> I mean, that's the cheapest way to do it nowadays. <laughs> yeah, well, no, honestly, it makes sense. No, yeah, yeah it, exactly what you're talking about. I mean, well, actually, to be fair, that's just what we kind of had, like a flat of water. And you're like, am mm, I going to look at a turd all day or just open this flat of Nestle water here? <laughs> or am I going to a motor rewinder? That's where we're like, we need an electrical shop. Because like, that would have been a premium. Like The pump was like, I don't know, I think it was like four or $500. I'm like, you know what? I easily would have spent $1,000, an extra four or $500 to have water for that week. Hands yeah. down. Well, good. You just gave me another ad to run. <laughs> okay, do it. Do it. Yeah, exactly what you're describing. That that's uh, tired of waiting on shit. Go to your mm-hmm. local electric repair motor repair shop. That's perfect. Yep. I, yeah, like, I'm just trying to think of like shops we have around. Like, I don't even I don't even know of any shop in 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 Matt. Like, I'm sure there are. I'm sure there's one out there, but I don't know of it. It's not like it's advertised or I see it much. Look for the smokestacks. That's where you'll see them. <laughs> Pretty much, uh, they're all by the big manufacturing plants and stuff like that. But um, you know, like small shops, they're they're scattered places. They're you know, like me, they're they're very very few and far between. Then mm-hmm. it's to be honest with you, there's a shop that's actually not far from me, um, just up the road from me actually. Um, that guy owned an electric motor repair business for um the last 40 years and he couldn't even wind huh. he couldn't even cut the windings out put new ones in and he was in business for years and years and years and years and people love the guy they, they talked very highly about him and he always had more work than he knew what to do with huh. there's there's definitely a market for it should get a wow. shop I mean, somebody should really get into this. It's like as more and more vehicles are all going electric, like that's the one thing I've learned really like this has been one of my first four way forays into electric. Like, you know, we got some incredibly brilliant electrician guys on the team, but like learning about this, you know, all of this stuff is actually like a lot simpler than I thought it is, but just nobody works on it anymore. Yep. Yeah, you're. 100% right. It's like, you know, when I was working for Cat and I was doing some generator stuff, um, you know, I, in school, they didn't teach me anything about generators at all. Pretty much anything I knew was just kind of from my background. But um, if you got a guy who can understand how a hydraulic system works on a modern excavator and you sit him down for 10 minutes and get him actually interested in how a generator works, once it snaps to his head, he's going to go, oh, my God, that's the simplest thing I've ever looked at. And it's the same thing with electric motors, just in reverse. Like, it's it's nothing really crazy complicated, just either A, nobody's interested in it, or B, it's electricity, so they're scared of it. Well, <clears throat> my favorite way to describe, like, an electric motor versus an electric generator is which way the power is going in. Yeah. That seems like that's about the only real difference between a generator and a motor. Yeah, that's... Pretty much it. I mean, the generators have the excitation circuit and all that stuff. So they're—I mean, the generators a little bit more complicated, but the the basic working principle is exactly the same. You know, and when I was at Cat, like ninety nine point nine nine percent of my work was engine work, and that's just because the generators never broke; they were reliable. Mm-hmm. So as 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 a guy who does this for a living, what do you drive? <laughs> I drive a 2008 Chevy Suburban. So you don't drive a Tesla? <laughs> no. No, I don't. Uh, okay, I thought no. you might. Well, the thing is, the electric motor is good. Uh, like, the electric motor is fine. It's the entire rest of the car that might have issues. Yeah, and the the company. Because you guys, you guys have probably seen, like, Rich Rebuilds. Yeah. Yeah. That that's he's I watch a lot of his videos and it's interesting a lot of the stuff he's put out just like not being able to actually work on the things and he's got that one famous video where like he's trying to order a lug nut or something and they're like well, what do you need it for he's like what do you mean what do I need it for 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that, I think, I don't know. No, that yeah. is, that. I was actually just, just going to ask you that too. Like, have you ever thought about buying like a crushed Tesla, like like a wrecked one and trying to do something with it? But with, with watching Rich build stuff, like it is very hard to actually do it. Yeah. And, and even, uh, I don't know how that guy did it. I mean, the, one thing interesting about him is, he's definitely a way smarter guy than he leads on. <laughs> like, probably. Oh my, I mean, you see him, he just seems like a goofball. He just, but I mean, that guy is brilliant for a lot of the stuff that he's been able to do. Um, but to answer your question, no, as far as, to be honest with you, the electric vehicles and EVs kind of taking over, I don't think it's really going to affect the electric motor business as much as people think. I mean, it might a little bit, but I, I just think the batteries or the vehicles themselves are going to rot out long before the electric motors go bad. I mean, you can swap batteries. And when you're looking at like a lot of this hybrid diesel electric stuff, where I think a lot of it's going, it it's capacitor banks. I mean, you're not really going to have an issue running through some ultra capacitors. Right. Exactly. And, um, as much as I hate to say it, um, if you're mass producing electric motors, you can mass produce electric motors a hell of a lot cheaper than a rewind shop can rewind one for you. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if you can just go down to your local auto parts store, pick up a motor and swap one in, you're going to do that before you take it to a, a rewind shop. No, you but know? it's that, like we talked about, it's that delay on the business. I mean, the truck's down and the electric motor's a week away. Yeah. Well, all of a sudden now it makes sense to like, I, I can see, I don't know about, you know, the next five, 10 years, but I can see long run 2030 as we're seeing more like hybrid diesel electric, pure electric, electric motors are definitely going to become more prevalent because I think a lot of these things you see in places like, like where you do see a lot of hydraulics and mechanically driven things that would be much more efficient without all the drive shafts without all the chain drives and like in a mill and that just going electric, I'm going to say that we're probably going to see a lot more electric. Like people use mechanical and hydraulic just because they're used to working on it. If mm. we make more things electric, people might just start putting electric things because they're used to just doing electric. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I totally agree. And there's probably a ton of people listening to this are just cringing and hating themselves <laughs> or hating the way the world's going. People hate electric motors for some reason. They, they do, but if they're listening to this podcast, they're probably pretty used to the talk of electric motors. So. Uh, yeah, that's true. They're in the wrong place. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. I mean, it, it, that or, you know, we, we do get a lot of traditional guys. <laughs> we do get some people that are like, ah, that, you know. It, but the main thing is, is like, they all hate batteries. Everybody hates batteries. And that's, that's just important. it. It's like they don't hate the electric motors. They hate the batteries. And I'm the same way. I hate batteries. Oh, yeah. Who doesn't? I I, I do have to give you credit because I see a lot of comments on your videos. And I'd imagine you must just have some of the rudest people coming up to you and just kind of talking about blatant stuff that's not true and i just feel like you handle that so well you handle that much better than i think i would i just instantly kind of get mad <laughs> whereas i feel i don't know but maybe it's just my perception but um from my perspective i feel like you definitely handle it pretty well i don't know my thing is like where i've learned is like some of these people that are just being like rude or whatever like if they're just being straight up rude i'll ignore them but if they're like, oh, that won't work, what about this? Or like they try and have like those gotcha moments. I like to be like, oh, you know what? This is more of a chance to just like inform somebody, look into it. And you know what? There's people that have, have brought up questions in the comments. And that's one of the things I love about it is like sometimes I'm like, oh, well, this is my like something that I've learned along the way because I've thought a lot of the way that these guys have thought like mm -hmm. for a long time. Like when like the first electric vehicle started coming out and I'm like, oh, I thought this. And then I started looking into it. I'm like, they just haven't looked into it like I did. Maybe it's a chance to inform them. Other people have actually brought up things that I never thought of and were like, oh, that's actually something that we need to consider while doing this design and engineering. This is something to look at or like, oh, that is a valid concern. So like, I really like it because it's either a chance to like 
teach somebody something I've learned or it's something for me to start learning more about. So that's hmm. kind of how I look at it now. Now, do you run into like, I mean, do you run into a decent amount of people that will come up to you and, you know, kind of have like that gotcha moment, but then when you go to explain them, they're actually genuinely interested or is it mostly just kind of people that are just looking to say gotcha and then run away? Like, I mean, how many people? I would people... say 90%, 95% are actually genuinely interested. Really? Yeah, I would say the the vast, vast majority. Like, uh, uh, the odd time you run into one or two and they just don't want to listen, but like the vast majority are coming up and they're like, hey, what about this thing? And people are like, oh, hey, did you think about this? And you're like, actually, we did. They're like, oh, really? Like, mm -hmm. most 95% of the people are willing to be like, oh, listen. They're like, well, what about this? And like, now I'm at the point where I've heard so many things so many times. I'm like, oh, I've heard the next thing and the next thing. And I'm like, I I've looked into it and I've done the research. Every time someone's, every time somebody brings up something new, I always research that new thing they brought up. And like, because I'm not afraid to like tell somebody, oh, I don't know. Like, right. I'll just tell them like, I don't know. We should probably look that up and figure it out and I'll get back to you. And then you get back to it and like, people are genuinely willing to learn. I think human beings want to learn. <laughs> there's, there's still like, there's always going to be the anti-electric no matter what conversation you have with them. But mm -hmm. I feel like most people do adjust pretty quickly to the idea of it coming in. Like I say, the most thing to figure out is like whether they're anti-battery or anti-electric. <laughs> yeah. I, I do. I tell a lot of people that I think, I mean, I tell a lot of people about what you guys are doing. Like I kind of show like your videos and stuff and, I think I talked to a lot of people and say, I think hybrid is going to be more the way things are going to go. Cause that definitely seems, I mean, it, it, it seems like that's definitely the more sustainable option until the battery technology evolves, if it ever does. But even if it doesn't evolve, the hybrid option is still better than just gas transmission, drive shaft, all that stuff. It's still a more efficient way of doing it. You know, so oh, even if battery technology doesn't get there, it's still a better option and i don't know maybe i'm i'm going about it in a, a different way than you guys are it just seems like most people that when they'll come up to me they're just kind of looking to argue and they're just <laughs> they're just coming up to me to to prove me wrong or be rude to me so i just i, I just <laughs> had to talk poor about guy it. sounds you know? <laughs> but it but that's good though i'm glad that you're having a different experience than i am with it and that a lot of people are actually genuinely interested and they're not just looking to be rude to you mm -hmm. I, I i maybe i think a part of it though is like if they know me they've been following along like there may be a selection bias here because like if they yeah. see me and they see what i'm talking about for the electric vehicles and what i'm saying and like they follow and like they're engaged with me to not to like come up and talk they're genuinely curious and either wanting to learn or following along like they i don't know maybe there's a selection bias in there but Mm -hmm. yeah that that i guess that does kind of make sense i mean like you said if someone's going up to you i mean you you've, you're building a hybrid electric truck i mean obviously you're a knowledgeable guy and they would obviously think that you feel a certain way about it so they wouldn't just straight up go up and be rude to you you know if someone's coming up to you they're probably genuinely curious yeah they'll be rude to me because i don't know what i'm talking about <laughs> they'll they'll they, they'd try to argue chase and when it doesn't work they'll come to me i'm like oh i don't know maybe you're right let's just put gases back and everything <laughs> yeah just kidding just kidding obviously not I, know, I, I think part of it is like people are just tired of like these tech guys from silicon valley that yes. know nothing about trucks or like vehicles trying to tell people how all these trucks and vehicles are gonna run they're like yes yeah, I definitely that 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 is that is a huge part of it because I even remember when the Tesla first came out with the semi, it was like, why are they going with the semis first? Like they had to convince a bunch of truckers and everyone everyone at that event taking pictures, getting excited, has no idea anything on that semi. Like they don't understand any of it. What like really its purpose is by besides getting them food, they don't really understand the they machine. Still don't understand so. it, and like the people building it don't understand it. Like I watched that. Did you watch that one in Texas? They did like I don't know three, four, six months ago, whenever it was, sometime half a year ago. Not, and not they brought sure. it out, and they're like, well, are, we're finally going to start building these seven years later after announcing it. <laughs> but all patting themselves on the back. But they go in to describe the features, and it's like, man, you guys got to sell these to truckers and trucking companies. And I'm like, you guys are either idiots, 
and like completely don't know how a normal semi truck works at all and didn't do any basic research or you're just straight up lying to or like lying to hype people up but anybody that knows trucks is knows that you're just full of shit mm-hmm. like Elon was out there and he's like this truck due to its regenerative braking can get down the hill on the regen braking alone which is like it doesn't have to touch its service brakes like you get down to the bottom of the hill your brakes are cool still cool that is completely unheard of in the trucking industry and it's like what no we've had engine brakes since the 1950s to hold right. you back like, you don't yeah. Touch the brakes. <laughs> yeah like uh, there was just good so many things about that like they were just making me mad it's like this truck now with a drive motor on each axle will basically have four-wheel drive on the back and it's like no other semi-truck has that because it just has one drive shaft it doesn't and we're like no but it, there's still an inner axle and diff locks like yeah you guys just <laughs> are running like an inner axle lock that 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 exists elon yeah no it's funny but then again like the crowd that it's even going out to in all those situations it's never like they're even pitching it for truckers so it's just like everyone's like oh that's awesome that's amazing they're revolutionizing the trucking industry it's like no you're just telling people who don't know anything about it yeah and the damn thing looks like a spaceship it's got a lower drag coefficient than a boot like i hated that like that's cherry picking like lower drag coefficient than a bugatti veyron be like Okay, but you know that like a drag coefficient is only one part of that entire thing. Like your sir, it's your total wind resistance is drag coefficient times the amount of surface area that you're moving, and you have a huge ass surface area with that big ugly brick in the front. Mm-hmm. Also, like we talked about, I know dry vans is their goal. That's going to be what they're moving the most with the Teslas. But like the load too. Like as soon as you have an unconventional load, you're you're done anyway. Like doesn't matter what your aerodynamics are like then. Yeah, no, it really doesn't. And like and you know why? Like a Bugatti Veyron doesn't actually have a low drag coefficient. Like there's other like passenger cars that have a lower drag coefficient than a Bugatti. Like I looked into it. It's not that aerodynamic. <laughs> like it's still just like like if you look at the front of it, it's a very wally thing. It's just like it's got a big rad and a big like air sock like it and it it purposely doesn't have a low drag coefficient because it's trying to force air down through down pressure so it's trying to like push air and scoop air you're not saying anything like i bet our needle nose kenworth probably has a similar drag coefficient or total if not lower drag coefficient on the body probably similar aerodynamics to the tesla semi because it's tinier so therefore you multiply your totals of aerodynamics with the surface area Either way, just, you just, they're just yeah. cherry picking to piss you off jake it's working they, they are well they're trying to they're trying to sell it to their investors and that that's yeah. what the correct and that's what makes me so angry is that it's clearly being sold to the investors and the tech people not the trucking companies and it's like Oh, hey, we're actually doing this for truckers. I think that's why people what, like our what we're doing. One thing I, I exactly, and one thing I, I also see happening is with with Kenworth too is they see where the trend is going. Oh, we have to go electric, so they quickly throw some Frankenstein together that doesn't work very well, just because they're going after the trends, not the truckers. And it's just like it's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, like if we could actually apply electric, it makes a lot of sense, and like. Like, I'm trying to show people, and I can't wait to show off a little more when this truck is done. But there's nothing complicated. Like, our e-axles is literally just a bunch of bearings, some gears, and some copper windings. Like, that's that's a whole thing to the whole e-axles. Like, it's simple. Like, a rectifier is just a rectifier. Like, there's no moving parts. Well, I mean, the diesel generator. But other than that, like, the rest of the control gears, no moving parts, with all, like, relatively common off-the-shelf parts. But... I've gone down and I've looked at all these electric vehicles and like, I know what's in them because I built these things and I like, I know what's in the box and they, they have every single part locked and you're like, you can't open it without special keys and you need special tools to open it and you can't open the box. And it's like, we're like, well, what's in the box? What if somebody needs to service these things? And they're like, we don't want anybody servicing. So like right now to get a truck serviced, an electric truck in BC, you can only get it serviced at Kenworth because they, they will lock anybody out from servicing it. And it's $300 per hour to work on your electric side of things. And they're like, well, 
it could be more dangerous if somebody like doesn't disconnect the power. I'm like, no, it's not. They're like, no. are you kidding me? They're like, well, the batteries could su- supply power anytime. It's a lockout tagout procedure. It's like no different than being an electrician having an electric motor hooked to the power grid. You lock it out, you tag it out. Like all the components in here are just, you know, your straight, your contactors, all that. They're parts that you would see in like an electric crushing plant, rock crushing plant that's working out on a quarry somewhere. It would be the same kind of procedures. Like this isn't mind blowing stuff here, Kenworth. You use standard electric parts, you're just locking it down because you want to build 300, 350 an hour for a specialized EV tech. Yeah, ridiculous. Well, that's Sorry, just that, that was my rant. Cool. No, no, that's a fair rant, though. It, it pisses me off, too. Yeah, I mean, well, you see that everywhere. I mean, that just kind of goes back to, like, the, the whole right to repair thing. You know, I mean, you, you see that in the diesel industry, too. What is going on with that lawsuit between John Deere and uh, the customers? Oh, the, the customers ended up winning and say that you have the right to be able to repair your equipment. It's amazing how many uh, like large corporations are following that lawsuit because they wanted to like that sets the precedence because if they if if John Deere won, then like everyone would start doing exactly what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's that's the thing is like they didn't win and now it's a precedent that you got to be able to repair things. But now they're doing stupid things like how I called out on Detroit with that new transmission that you can't fix. They won't sell you any of the parts because you need special tools. And it was designed in a way that you need special tools. So their right to repair says, yes, we can. Well, like, no, we will sell you the parts so you can fix it on your own. We believe in right to repair. You just have to buy the special tool. And they're like, okay, how much is the special tool? About $3 million. Yep. And you're like, okay, well, that's all of a sudden. That, that defeats the purpose of right to repair. If you say, you're like, oh, yes, you can fix it yourself. You just got to pay us $3 million for this tool. There is no tool in the world that costs $3 million to fix these things. Now, I don't know if that guy was talking about, like, the cost to set up the whole thing. But, like, that just that, that's what they're going to do. They're not going to just say, hey, we won't sell you the part straight up. They'll just be like, oh, we we engineered this to need special components and special tools. And they, they were doing it with just locking you out of the computer program. Like, oh, you can't access the computer program to do it. Oh, what? We can't do that to people anymore? I guess we'll design these in a way that says they can't be serviced. Like, ah, these companies have found, they found loopholes around that law before that law even existed. And 100% Detroit looked at what was going on. They looked at cases hitting the Supreme Court, the right to repair movement. And they're like, oh, we might not be able to not sell. Just say we aren't selling parts and saying we're not selling computer programs. We might actually have to provide that to people. We better engineer this so you need special tools. Ha, ha, ha. Like, it just, that made me angry. Because, like, that was just a backwards corporate workaround of that law. No, you're 100% right. And then, like, they're doing the same thing, you know, with the software. I mean, I, I feel horrible for all, you know, like, you don't really see too many independent diesel shops anymore. And whenever you talk to half of them, they're like, well, hey, you know, how can we shut down? How can we close your doors? It's like, well, the software got so expensive, I couldn't really justify it anymore. And it's well, even my even my brother, he's uh, a mobile mechanic. But yeah, like he'll he'll spend like I can't remember. He just said, oh yeah, drop like twenty grand on programs and software. And it's like, are you, like you're serious? Like you you have to do that too? Like, but yeah, if you want to work like, on I anything newer, the Ukrainian farmers. Like there was so much Ukrainian software hitting the market. Like I don't know what it is about like Ukrainian farmers, but like Ukrainian operators are. They basically said no, and they started, like, jailbreaking, like, all these John Deere equipment and, like, all the things are up there online. You can just, like, pull out all these jailbroke programs and just, like, reflash the software on your tractor into, like, this is the Ukrainian guy's thing. And it's like, oh, okay, just download free jailbreak programs, plug it in there, and just rewrite your whole tractor program. Yeah, I do know, I do know a few guys who also have the jailbroken programs. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's... It's yeah, like, but I mean, basically, what you got to do. Yeah, it's when I was a cat. There were I heard a couple stories, like guys saying, "Oh, your screen goes black," and then it comes back, and then you have this magic software from, you know, God knows where it is. But yeah, I got a friend of mine who does a lot of uh, diesel tuning and stuff like that, and he's got his own programs, and he pays a 
boatload of money for all that stuff. But a lot of stuff you gotta be careful now too. CPA will come down and crack down on you hard. CPA. For emissions. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, right. Sounds like some American stuff. No. I had to remember what that was for a second. Sorry. No. <laughs> yeah, I forget you guys are in a different country than me. What do we what, what do we like is it CPA here, Chase? I don't even know. No, that just means certified professional accountant. Not sorry, sorry, I was trying to th- think of like why are the accountants coming after you? Uh, the EPA. Environmental EPA. Oh, I heard CPA. Sorry. Oh, I heard CPA too. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I was like, maybe that's an American thing. I was trying to I was trying to think of it too. I was like, I don't know, it must be American. Ugh. I was thinking like something like I was trying to do with the algorithm like centrally planned air. <laughs> yeah. No, my wife gets mad at me. I mumble pretty bad, so it might have been my fault. No, no, all good. You did oh, say you copper know. a little. Uh, I, I, I was just going back to the start of the episode. Your accent kind of kicked out when you said copper there. I apparently I have an accent. I didn't know that. Say, say copper again. Copper. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that's New Yorker for sure. Definitely, definitely <laughs> copper. Well, that's like Massachusetts. <sighs> I got a good buddy of mine from Massachusetts. Maybe some of that's rubbing off on me. That 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 did sound yeah, a little Bostony, a little Bostony. Yeah, a little, little Bostony. <laughs> Fair enough, man. You know uh, what? I I am super proud of us on this episode, Jordan. I feel like this is the most on topic we have ever stayed in like two years of doing this podcast. This has to be like the most on topic thing we've ever I, stayed I, on. I was actually. Uh, at like 30 minutes i'm like we've only talked about electric motors <laughs> like we haven't talked about random bs for a while what's going on i didn't think about that already oh that's funny Sorry, normally we just go off like 20 minutes in we're completely off the rails on a bunch of rants together and like this time we've uh, it's actually been and like this is the most informative podcast we've ever done yeah it's fairly focused good good for us good for us now we, we got to celebrate by going really off topic <laughs> <laughs> well I guess we got to ask those final questions. We're getting up to about an hour here. And I do got to get yeah, going sure. before too long. But uh, the final questions, we, you know, those questions we already asked. Um, what is the dumbest job, I guess, you've ever done? Or like, the, or what's the, the stupidest failure of an electric motor you've ever seen? Is probably the appropriate way to phrase it. The stupidest failure? Well, I like dumbest job too. Like when someone walks in with something, like do this, and you're like, "No, I don't want to," and they're like, "No, do it." Just dumbest. Just dumbest. Uh, yeah, I had a guy come in one time. He had a little, it was a little tiny fart fan, um, and it was it was gonna be a, I say fart fan, it's like an exhaust fan for like a house or something. And uh, he wanted me to do bearings in it. The thing was kind of a pain to get apart. And it was it was kind of giving me... I mean, I had like an hour into just getting this stupid thing apart. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to look up how much this thing costs. So I look it up. And you can get a new one for like 100 bucks. So I call the guy and I'm like, I go, look, you can get a brand new one of these things for like $100. And he was just beside himself he couldn't believe it cost that much he couldn't believe that i was going to charge that much to fix it and blah 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 he was kind of all like beside himself i'm like man i'm sorry you're that hard up but dude i i'm gonna have a lot of time in this thing like what do you want from me all right uh i guess the, the final question a dream job you could do anything any job anywhere in the world what would you do uh, dream job anywhere in the world. Um, I've always kind of wanted to be a lineman. I think be no cool. way. Oh, yeah. yeah. No way. Really if there's one, if there's a lineman listening to this, he is grinning ear to ear right now. Uh, see, the thing is, here's the problem. I think being a lineman would be really cool, but it's because I'm a dork. But I don't think I would get along with lineman dudes, if that makes sense. Oh, okay, you just, they just, their faces just dropped. You just took everything away. <laughs> no, I'm that lineman. They probably looked at it, each other and been like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's true. There are two guys in the truck. Yeah, you know, he's not wrong. Everybody's <laughs> a lineman. I definitely like, said it in this clip. Ugh, that's funny. I just really think power distribution is neat. I thought power generation was neat. And that's, that's kind of why I'd like to learn more about power distribution and how it's done and all that stuff. That's kind of why. And yeah, I like it. 
That I'm was a cool lie. story. I see those videos of like the linemen on helicopters, like being helicoptered up to like the high, uh, the really tall like transmission lines. I'm like, I would do that, hundred percent. Yeah, uh, yeah, one one thousand percent, I'd do it. My wife thinks I'm crazy, but um, every time I see one of those videos on TikTok, I'm like, I want to do that. Okay, I want to be a pilot, a helicopter pilot. You guys want to do that? Let's just let's just start it. Why not? What's holding yeah. us back, guys? Uh, the, I mean, I'm pretty much Canadian. To you guys. Yeah, you are pretty much Canadian anyway. Okay, Chase, you got to run, eh? Yeah, I got to got to take off. But uh, yeah, good. Thanks for coming on here. Yeah, no problem. Glad our schedule's finally aligned. Yeah, no, it's great. Thanks for coming on, buddy. Take it easy, guys. Yep, you too. Bye. Bye.